Hello, everybody. Welcome back. My name is Michael Eisner. Um, one thing that's been coming up in um, practicing coaching with people is the um, the act of being on a timeline. The very act of putting healing in quotes on a timeline is that this can live lead to living in the past or future and what we end up doing is practicing neglecting the present moment suffering comes from resisting whatever is when we resist we go into the past for reasons why we are why we got to where we are or we go to the future trying to prevent something from happening now this can lead to being in a loop similar to a cat attempting to catch its tail it's a very frustrating and confusing act. When I spent time on a timeline, I was frustrated and unappreciative. I was existing from a place of that the world owed me something, that what I had or have isn't enough. When I learned to accept where I was, what I had, and began to feel what I was feeling, feeling the emotions, I began to experience a felt sense of peace. I feel good when I'm consistently doing the things that support me in feeling good in the long run. These things may be different for everyone. For me, it's practices that help me to integrate unresolved emotional stress, things like breath work, the presence process, Carol Truman's script, and there's many, many others, many others that I've practiced and many more that EMDR is a classical e example of mainstream trauma um, integration practices. Uh, so what, what works for you? You know, I know what works for me and I'm curious about what else is out there. I'm always interested in trying something new. But getting on that consistently practice doing practices that integrate unresolved emotional stress and that lead me to get getting better at feeling consistently feeling my feelings and allowing them to be there and to come up when they come up this is a practice it's a habit it's a skill the more we do it the better we get at it other practices i use to allow me to feel great and be at my best personally i use meditation I eat eating a very good diet that makes me feel good and light and energetic with a solid mood without crashing and uh, spiking and crashing. I get a good sleep every night. I go for a great good sleep. Good sleep hygiene. Highly recommend it. And exercise, of course, moving my body and enjoying being in my body. Um, those are all things that work really well for me. In this podcast, I'm interviewing Dina Kuda, and we discuss her journey through fibromyalgia, through cancer, through um, being dependent on, feeling dependent on pain medication that was prescribed to her, and then weaning off of that medication, which was, it sounds like an incredible incredible journey she went through so we discussed that we also discuss her working with Heather Peterson and things she does for herself to allow her to be at her best things like rage writing writing to her inner child 
using music to change her states. We also, um, it also, if you'd like to get a hold of her, she's more than willing to speak with you. I'll put her email in the description below. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, I'm more than happy to speak with you. I'd love to talk to you for an hour for free. If you have any questions or like clarity on anything, I'm here for you. And if you'd like some one-on-one -on -one coaching, we can figure out a price point that works for the two of us ongoing after that, if you'd like. Um, here are two excerpts from the show that I thought were really interesting, and I think you guys will probably get a lot out of them. Here's the first one. You've got to be present with yourself in your body while you're doing this work mm. and using your body to process those emotions. And here's the second one. So at the end of those four months, I weaned completely off of Lyrica. I take no pain medicine. And here is the episode. I hope, hope you folks enjoy it. Have a great day. So Dina grew up in Pennsylvania, United States with her parents and her sister. She doesn't have a lot of childhood memories, but remembers always being told she was too sensitive, especially by her mother. Her dad was an alcoholic. Her parents fought terribly for the first four years of her life. She was bullied a lot in school and she found refuge and safety in the art room in high school. She went to college for two years, but didn't receive a degree. She worked in retail and held jobs as secretary, a volunteer at a domestic violence shelter and a dental assistant. She is now a sterile processing tech for a medical clinic. She was married and divorced twice. She has a son and two daughters, all grown. She now lives with her partner, Larry, in Ogden, Utah. So we'll dive right into the, the meat of this. We'll get right into it. And uh, let's just talk about how old you were when you started feeling symptoms. And what were they? I was 28, I believe. Don't make me do math, please. I think I was 28. Um, and I had just had my third child. My husband was Air Force and we were stationed in North Carolina. And it was not a good marriage. It was very toxic. And we had some things happen while I was carrying my third child. And it just, it wasn't um, good. And so it was about a year after I had Brooke, I started with intense pain in my legs. And all I could do was sit in a recliner with my legs elevated. And it, it just, it was a pain like I'd never felt before. It was weird. And so I went to the base and, you know, saw a doctor there and they, they examined me and said, well, Dina, there's nothing physically wrong with you. We would suggest a psychiatric consult. <laughs> mm. When someone, especially a medical professional, says that to you when you're in that much pain and you're scared because you don't know what this is, that was kind of a jerk thing to say. I don't. Um, he could have said it with more grace and compassion, I think. But so I had a friend um, that I went to church with, and we were very close. And she said to me one day, you know, it sounds like a lot what I have. Well, guess what my friend Joy had? She had fibromyalgia. So suggestion planted in my brain. 
And when we don't know what's going on um, and our brains can't keep us safe because we don't know what, what's in the future or what's gonna happen. Um, when your brain um, gets a label, yeah. When when there's a label thrown out or something that says, "Hey, this is what it is," we can qualify you under this label. Your brain likes that, mm, and right. latches onto that because you put your hope in that. You're putting your hope in the professionals outside of you. Right. So, um, so then, sure enough, I thought, well, to get a fibromyalgia diagnosis, I need to see a rheumatologist. So that's what I did. And I got the diagnosis that I wanted. Okay. Um, and then I got on medication, and there was the start of that. Wow. Well, okay. So, uh, what kind of medication did he did they put you on? Interestingly, the first that I took was Vioxx. And what was what is Vioxx? Vioxx was I, I can't even remember what it was classified as, but it was for arthritis. It was a, a prescription for arthritis, and I had been taking it for a year. And then they pulled it off the shelf because of severe heart problems um, and other complications. They pulled it. Um, so then I went to Celebrex because that was All right. thing to buy. So this is an NSAID, non-steroid anti-inflammatory. Um, yeah. Okay, right. And how did, how did, uh, how did the Celebrex go for you? Um, it, it was about the same, okay. you know, it, it had the same, um, pain relief benefits, I think. Right. And what, what, like, where would you categorize them at? Like, at a, you know, like how, how much do you think it helped out? What percentage do you think like 50% helped out with? Well, at, at that point, I believed it helped like 80, 90%. Wow. Okay. Because. Right. <laughs> the power of the mind, right? That's a magic pill. Right, right. Michael, I had a magic pill, so yeah. why wouldn't I be pain-free? Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Until the magic pill stops working. Right, right, right. Yes. And they always do. They always yeah. stop working. Right, yeah, that's what happened with me. Very interesting. Okay, all right. So you're cruising along, and um, how, how many years down the road are we? Uh, that these pills don't start work, that they're not working the way they used to. Oh, my Lanta, I can't even remember. Um, but I can tell you that we moved from North Carolina to Utah in 2002. So at that point, I had had a diagnosis for just over a year. And then we lived here for a little while, and my marriage was still, you know, pretty toxic. Um, we were doing the best that we could, but we both had childhood wounds that we were reenacting mm -hmm. on each other. And it just wasn't a good situation. And um, lots of depression, lots of depression and anxiety and just uncontrollable emotional mood swings because, you know, my nervous system was completely dysregulated and not functioning properly. And then I got a cancer diagnosis. Wow. And that was in 2006. Wow. Okay. It was Hodgkin's lymphoma, mm. a blood cancer. And I remember when I met with the oncologist, 
he told me, number one, that Hodgkin's lymphoma is a, quote, good cancer because it has a 90% cure rate. So he was trying to give me hope. The second thing he told me was, Dina, you don't have fibromyalgia. You have lymphoma. Mm. I can't tell you the well of hope that sprung out of me because I thought, well, I can cure cancer, right? He just told me it's 90% curable. Right. Hodgkin's that I have. Fibromyalgia isn't curable. Wow. You just have to live with it the rest of your life. So that's planted another seed. Right? Wow. Um, so yeah, that's where that went. Um, unfortunately, it's also when I started opiates. Okay. What, what other um, medication was prescribed to, uh, cure, or, you know, help get rid of the cancer? Um, well, the, the cancer, I had a very harsh chemo regimen and I had chemotherapy every other week for six months. Okay. And to keep me on that schedule of every other week, I had to keep my my T cells, my white blood cell count up. It had to be above a certain level. Um, otherwise, I was too weak and I would have to skip chemotherapy for that week. And because they wanted to keep me on schedule, they gave me new laxative shots, which is basically it stimulates your bone marrow. The side effect of that is excruciating bone pain. Um, and opiates didn't work regular like Lortab, Oxycontin they weren't touching it so they sent me to pain management and put me on methadone synthesized heroin wow is what wow. they had me on wow so I had my six months of chemo the cancer was gone um, didn't need radiation had to have a PET scan every year for the five years after the treatment was over to make sure the cancer didn't come back. And then I was what they called cured, not in remission, but cured, meaning it's not gonna come back. Um, and so after I stopped the chemo, I tried to stop the methadone. And I remember one of the worst points in my life was trying to get off of that methadone because, you know, with opiates, you build up a, a tolerance, right? They work for about six months, maybe, and then they stop working, so you have to increase the dosage. So I started at 10 milligrams of methadone while I was getting chemotherapy, and four years later, I was still on methadone, and I had gone up to 60 milligrams because when I tried to stop taking the methadone the pain was so horrible it was so intense I remember one day I had to call up the stairs that's not okay <laughs> that's yeah. not that's not where you want to be and so that just told me that drug is hella powerful and probably should not be in the human body if it's that horrible to detox from, I don't think we should be putting it in our bodies. There's got to be a better way. Right. And so I weaned off of that. I told the doctor, I said, I'm not doing this anymore. It, yeah. It's not beneficial. It's damaging my liver. I don't want to be worse in 
decades down the road. You know, this is not what I want to do. So I had to titrate down and I kind of extended the schedule that he gave me to um, lessen those withdrawal symptoms. And then I switched to Lyrica because magically the lymphoma, when I cured the lymphoma, the pain was still there. So I still had the fibromyalgia, right? Wow. At least yeah. that's what I told myself. Oh, well, Dr. Frame must have been wrong. I really do have fibromyalgia. He was just trying to give me hope and make me feel better. And so that's where I switched to the Lyrica. And that worked for a good many years until I met Heather. Wow. Okay. And, and Lyrica, what is that? Is that it? Lyrica is a nerve medication. Okay. They give it to diabetics with severe neuropathy. It has to, it, it soothes the burning of the nerve pain. And so some of the thinking around fibromyalgia is that it's something to do with damaged nerves or nerve mm. endings, and that's why you feel all that pain. Um, and so fibromyalgia is an off-market diagnosis for Lyrica. Mm. Thousands and thousands of people take Lyrica for fibromyalgia pain. It's a bad drug. Why do you say that? I did some research. Um, of course, after the fact, because when you're in pain and you're freaking out and you're scared, you're almost willing to do whatever the doctors tell you without doing your own research. At least I was because fear. And um, so I did some research after I started taking it. And Lyrica prevents new brain synapses from forming. Right. It has to do with, you know, your nerves and your nervous system and the way that you transmit those messages with your neurotransmitters. Mm. Prevents new brain synapses from forming. To me, that says mental decline, dementia, Alzheimer's. No, that is not <laughs> what I'm about. <laughs> so that's when I, I met Heather. Okay. So it's through... It was through the side effects or the known side effects that you knew that this was not sustainable and you needed some other solution. Absolutely. How did you find Heather? Um, one of my coworkers went to high school with her and she told me, you know, Dina, you would love Heather. You should follow her on Instagram. And so I did. And I started just devouring Heather's content. And then I reached out to her because I thought this is the this is the woman that can help me. Wow. She's done it herself. She's got the information and knowledge. She's got the keys and the wisdom. Wow! Wow! Yeah. <laughs> That's so exciting. Yeah. That's tremendous. Okay, so uh, let's get into it then. Um, and forever, for anyone that doesn't know about Heather, there's already I will have published her episode, but she is a mind-body coach who uh, recovered from a myriad of uh, mind-body um, symptoms. Anyway, I encourage you to check out her episode. It's incredible. Anyway, so you met Heather, you reached out to her, you're following her on Instagram. You reach out to her. Uh, what, what was your first uh, consult like? The first consult was loving and gentle. She is just an amazing human being with a huge heart, and she has got the capacity to hold space for people 
while they are just so, they're just struggling and in pain. And um, she's an amazing person. She's able to hold space for them and, and kind of carry them through the emotional um, of that. And so our, our first, I mean, I was a little nervous. I didn't know what to expect. Um, because anxiety, anxiety is a real thing, especially for people that have, you know, ACEs. I know that you and, and her husband really talk about ACEs, um, adverse childhood experiences. And so anxiety is a thing. So anything new, there's going to be anxiety, but she helped me to feel calm. Um, she was smiling. She had a wonderful presence, a warm energy, and she made me feel safe. And that's the most important thing. You need to feel safe. Mm. Yeah. So important. And um, what made you believe that you could get better? Because these diagnoses are so definite. Like, what was it inside of you? Before, I guess before we get into the stuff, the work you did with Heather. What do you, what, like, what was that inside of you that said, there's, there's something else? I I think it's connection with nature. I started, I think it was 2019, I started going down this different spiritual path. I left a uh, Christian church and started to do my own spirituality kind of thing with meditation. Different kinds of things like that that filled me up and supported me. And so one of those things is being out in nature and learning about plant medicine. Um, and I've heard different things. I've heard about, oh gosh, I can't remember what it's called now, but there's a clinic down in Tijuana. You know what I'm talking about? They cure cancer down there. Okay. Um, with like whole foods. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The raw, the raw food. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I had been studying stuff like that or reading articles about that over the years. And then when I started connecting spiritually to nature and learning more about plant medicine, I just thought, this isn't the way that we're supposed to live. This isn't natural. Mm. And um, so I guess you can say I started like realizing that essential oils, for example, could elevate mood, mood shift energy, help with, you know, pain or the perception of pain. Right. And knowing that those things work, well, why wouldn't other, you know, homeopathic or natural remedies? Right. So that's where I started with that. And Heather just kind of pulled the curtain back on the <laughs> whole world and just opened it all up to me and the power of the mind, too. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. So what were the steps? What What was the first tool or the first line of of uh, work that you guys got into that that made a difference or was it something uh, she said was it a belief that was shifted well at first she started with laying the foundation of the groundwork like she told me what aces were and um she was just telling me that you know what you experienced it was valid because it was your experience it doesn't matter what other people say about what happened they didn't have your experience. She was very validated. Mm. 
extremely validating to the point where I felt like I was finally, finally being heard mm. at age 48. I was finally being heard right. and allowed to express myself and allowed to tell my story. And I was believed. Mm. That's hmm. important. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then we went on to these are the emotions that are behind this body part or, you know, she, she went into that with me and helped me to understand that there are certain emotions that when we repress them, they show up as pain in certain areas of the body. Mm. And I thought that was fascinating. Right. Um, and so we worked on that and she gave me, you know, um, her husband Billy talks about this on his podcast. Yeah. Feelings buried alive never die. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about that book because I'm working with it right now and I adore it. Yeah. Right? I I think it's, yeah. The back where it has that glossary Mm -hmm. of all of the the different emotions behind pain. Mm -hmm. Let me just read to you what it says about blood cancer. Wow. Okay. Okay. Because I hundred percent wholeheartedly believe that the cancer that I contracted um was TMS. Wow. And I know people are gonna think I'm crazy and that's fine. This is my experience. I'm not trying to push this on anyone else. You've got to find your own path. But yeah um knowing what I know now and looking back on that time period um my my husband Ben and I were were we were very angry and we were always fighting and there was always contention and there was um actually one night where there was assault and I was pregnant during this whole time too so it was very traumatic and it was a year after that that I started coming down with chronic pain symptoms so Cancer, it says, Carol Truman says, is a form of self-destruction. Mm. And of blood or blood cancers and leukemia, which lymphoma is a blood cancer, intense depression, anger, or ill will. Man, I was pissed. I was so mad. Wow. I was mad at the situation. I was mad that this man, you know said that he was one person, but then two years into the marriage, he completely changed. And I had no idea what was going on. We were fighting constantly. I wasn't being heard. I was repeating the same childhood attachment patterns in my marriage. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we do. There are patterns that run subconsciously. We're not even aware of them. It's just how you know, we grew up and how we attached to our caregivers as we were growing up, right? Yeah. That's that's the whole program for your whole life. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I was mad. I was angry and I was really, really depressed, severely depressed. Um, and I was just lost. And the other thing that it says is lack of pure love for self and for others. So, yeah. Just hit the nail right on the head. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it wholeheartedly. So um, what what does Carol Truman offer to work through these feelings? Or She has a script. She calls it the script. 
Um, and that's what we were talking about earlier. Sometimes these books, like you can get knowledge from anywhere, right? You're saying, but sometimes you can't really understand what the author is trying to articulate because you don't understand the phrases or the words. Like they're not clicking in your head. You can't relate to them. Um, so you can do the script and you, you don't have to, you can find your own way. But basically she says that we were born with a perfect blueprint. Our DNA was a perfect blueprint at, at conception. But then we've got, you know, gestational trauma that we may not be aware of because obviously, you know, gestational, we've got birth trauma that we may or may not know about. And all of these things do something to your DNA. It's almost like they change the programming kind of like epigenetics. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. And so um, Carol is talking about going in with your mind and using your words to speak life to your DNA to remind it of its perfect blueprint and to scrub off, get rid of that programming um, that's basically running in our subconscious, but it's running our life. And we're not mm. even aware of it. Right. So she has this little script that um, it's, she calls it processing with um, the script. And she just goes through and like take each and every level, layer, area, and aspect of my being to the origin of these thoughts or these feelings. And then with total forgiveness and unconditional love. I ask that my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual memory of perfection resonates throughout my being. And then she's got spots where you can insert, you know, emotion here. I choose being blank. I feel blank. I am blank. You just have to talk to yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th that's what uh, I was so impressed with that book is that it really puts you in the driver's seat of, of looking at the mental diet, really being aware of our thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Uh, in terms of a tool, it's probably, probably one of the most efficient I have found, though you have to use it you know, every day. Every day, be yeah. consistent with it. And um, you know, as things come up, it's like you become a little detective or something and you just, you said that word earlier in our thing. That's and it's exactly it's, what I'm saying. You have got to get curious. Mm. You've got to get curious. You've got to get, um, you've got to become a detective. You've got to figure out who is this person. I, I know who this person is pretending to be out here to society and what they're projecting. But who are they really in here? Yeah. That's where the goods are. That's yeah. where... That's, that's where the medicine is. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so it's a, a powerful tool. I, I completely concur. I, I love it. I, I'm really impressed with it uh, and blown away by what it has you to offer. Know some other books? That yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Other, yeah, this, this book is, interestingly enough, when Heather first told me to read Dan's Buried Alive, I bought it. I started reading it and I couldn't, it didn't resonate at all, <laughs> at all. Right, right, like, right. What is this crap? I, what? No. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm not, it just didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to hear it. I know. I wasn't ready to hear it. That's what it was. It wasn't yeah. that the book was garbage. It's that I, my mind was not prepared. My mind hadn't been fertilized to receive those seeds, right? Yeah. Um, I... And after I listened to Billy Cade's podcast, I thought, I'm going to go get that book and try it again. And wouldn't <laughs> you know it? I'm like pretty much almost done with it. Right. Um, but the other book that Heather um, suggested that I read is Byron Katie, Loving What Is. Have yes. Uh, yes, I am also in the middle of that one. And I definitely want to talk to you about that. I'm very curious. Yeah. See, I had the reaction towards that, towards Byron Katie's work that you had with, uh, with Carol Truman's. Uh, very feeling, I just absorbed it. I was like, oh yeah, 100%. Now, uh, Byron Katie, there's part of me that's like, I get it, totally get it. And the tool, anyway, you can describe it. Yeah. But I want to know how would you use them together? That one, okay. This is the biggest way that I can differentiate between the two. Carol Truman talks about emotion showing up as uh, manifesting physically, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all about gaining um, insight to what you are feeling. Byron Katie is all about changing your internal chatter mm. and the stories that your mind likes to tell you to keep you safe. Wow. It's very yeah. mental. Yes. Right. Because, Carol Truman. Um, yeah, Carol Truman says feelings, that, emotions. Know, yeah. It starts with a thought. And then the thought leads to a feeling which leads to an emotion, right? So Byron Katie talks about harnessing the power to control your thought patterns and your monkey mind. Okay. And then you take it and you, um, you embody that by relating the pain that you're feeling in certain areas of your body to the emotions that um, are usually behind that manifestation of pain. Really interesting. And so, so do you find that just by going through the work, just by going through the script, that you intuitively start figuring it out and it's just a matter of going through it? Would you say that's your experience? Yes. It might because feel daunting at first. Yeah, absolutely. Because but, you don't know what you're doing. And right. no one is really modeling it for you. So you're like, okay, well, this is stupid. I'm going to talk to myself and say, I call back <laughs> my energy from the four corners. And what, like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But once you start doing it and you let go of that perfectionism, mm -hmm. there's not just one way to do this. Just calm down. It's your perfectionism and your goodism. Okay. <laughs> um, but once once you get over that and you figure out how those questions, like um, you know, Byron Katie, the four questions and the turnaround, is it true? Can you be absolutely sure that it's true? How do you react 
what happens when you believe the thought and who or what would you be if you didn't think that. And so after you do that so many times, it kind of just comes automatically and you're not thinking about the questions. Your mind is, you know, you are actively watching your thoughts and noticing mm. and just stating what you notice. Okay, well, is that really true? Mm, you know, how do I feel? How does that make me feel? When I think that, why are you thinking that? Is it true? Why? And basically what, what uh, Byron Katie, I, I think we can sum up her book by saying, stop arguing with reality. Mm. Because when you argue with reality, that's what's causing your suffering. Wow. Your mind is telling you a story in your head. And in order to be in alignment with that story, um, these things need to be happening to you and um, they have to be reality and what's truly happening. Well, that's your story of what's really happening. If you just look at the reality of things and take the emotion out of it, what are you left with? Yeah, yeah. So important to have these tools. Because let me tell you, with the knowledge of, yeah, we got to watch our thoughts and not believe negative thoughts and that negative thoughts are heavy and that they're a lie. This is great knowledge. However, what do we do day by day? You know, what practice, how do we get good at that? What's the um, practice? So these are immensely powerful tools that hundreds of thousands of people have used. It's helped them to a great degree. So what, how did it help you? What did you notice? Well, here's the thing I want to say about doing this work. You are basically putting together a giant puzzle that is you, right? You're, I, when I said, call, I'm calling back my energy from the four corners. Okay, that's kind of a joke, but also it's kind of true because you're pulling back the pieces of yourself um, and putting them together to create this picture of who, who you really are at your core, not who everybody has told you you are over the years. And so for me, this healing journey actually started, like I said, with the, the change in my spirituality. And once I started connecting to the divine in a way that um, was loving and made sense to me, um, then I would start, you know, being curious about other things. And um, so the things that I do, that I've learned, first of all, you have to be a body. To do this work, you can read, you can talk about, you can think about all of these things. But as long as you stay up here in your mind, in your head, nothing is going to really come to fruition. You've got to put action behind those thoughts. And that's what I'm saying when I that's what I mean when I say be embodied. You've got to, you've got to be present with yourself in your body while you're doing this work mm. and using your body to process those emotions. Mm. Um, and so let me explain what that looks like for me and how I came to do this. And hopefully I don't leave too many listeners with this, but I think I told you I astrology is one of the ways that I have learned more about who I am at my core. 
sins. Um, the reason that that does that is, you know, it's, it's a snapshot of the sky at the exact moment you were born. And I believe that planets and, and things, I believe everything is energy. Everything is energy. And so the alignment of the planets and the places that they were when you were born, that's an energy. Um, and so what I do is I take the archetype of the zodiac. So for example, my sun sign, I'm a Sagittarius. What is the archetype of a Sagittarius? Um, what are their characteristics? What do they like? What do they dislike? Um, what gets them lit up? What, you know, what, what's their shadow side? What are some of the things they do that aren't? I, I don't put a whole lot into it. I just kind of study the archetype. And then I relate it to me. Well, interestingly enough, the Sagittarius, um, they are the philosophers of the Zodiac. They are all about learning, knowledge, wisdom, religion, um, theology, stuff like that. Um, and we're also fire, the fire sign. Um, so that means we're quick, we're impulsive. We like fast movement. So I take all of that and I think, okay, how's this fire? How would someone that, that embodies the element of fire, how would they move emotion? Well, fire needs movement. So moving your body, stretching, exercising, things like that. That is what helps me shake loose those emotions and move them up and out. And I'm physically engaging my body while I am thinking these thoughts and feeling these emotions. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's how I, and interestingly enough, there's a lot of duality in my chart. And I am very sensitive and um, I can be very moody, be prone to mood swings. Well, a Sagittarius is an archer. It's a centaur. So they're they're aiming their arrow at the heavens, right? Lofty ideals, but they've got four hooves that are still on the earth. So that means it's, you know, spiritual esoteric, but also the earth, also the body, which I found very interesting. Um, mm. Here, Here's another way that I was able to find something that helps me to move those emotions and process them. My rising sign is a Gemini. Gemini is an air sign. So how do air signs kind of present in the world? Um, they're messengers. They like communication. They're talkative. They, you know, they relate to people. They're very social. So the way for me that part of, of me, because they're all just like puzzle pieces, right? So it's just one puzzle piece to who I am and how I operate. So if communication is the way of the, the air sign, um, I, I learned that venting to a friend, talking to friends helps to move that energy up and out. <laughs> but even better than speaking is writing. Oh. Because not only are you speaking the thoughts and the emotions in your head, but you are embodying 
that by physically writing it out. Okay. That's another key to Dina that I, you know, just discovered and started using it at work. It's working for you. Rage writing, it, you it, called it. it. Yeah, and rage this is writing. rage writing. This is something that Sarno uses. Uh, mm -hmm. Nicole Sachs talks about um, uh, back in control doctor that wrote that, wrote that book, Back in Tr Control. It's all about writing. Um, and I've tried it. It was really intense for me. Um, I, uh, I'm still curious about it. Um, but uh, tell me, tell me about it. Like, um, how, what, um, what do you find? Do you have any like procedure? Is it just like stream of consciousness? Just if you notice that there's some anger, you just get it out. What's your procedure? How do you go about it? Usually, um, because I'm still kind of a master at masking. No. Sometimes, especially if I'm at work, you know, or yeah. out adulting in public, you know, you've got to kind of wear the mask a little bit. Um, but if something, I can tell, I start getting really cagey inside. Like I feel like I want to crawl out of my skin. Mm. That's how it manifests in my body when I know I have to release something. I, I just, it's almost like, excuse me, I want to run away from myself, but I can't because my skin is trapping me in here. So I'm crawling out of my skin, right? Yeah. Um, but so what I usually do is I will sit, I have a meditation altar um, and full of crystals and wonderful things and implants and smelly things like that's how I get into that frame of mind and I have a black notebook that is my rage journal and I will just sit there and feel the feeling and then start writing and the thing about rage journaling the rage writing as I call it you can't think about what you're writing you're not composing something you're, you're not writing something to put out into the world. No one's going to read it. You're not even going to read it, right? Because you're not supposed to reread what you write. Mm -hmm. um, you write with reckless abandon. You write like your life and your health depend on it because they do. And there have been times that I would just write over top of, you know, just fill a page and then keep writing over top of all the words I wrote scribbling, underlining so hard that I would rip the paper with my pen. Like, you've got to get it out. You can't judge yourself. You can't mm. say, I can't say that. That's me. That makes me a horrible person. I can't say that. Yes, you can. You need to say it. You mm. need to get it out of you. And so you do all of that, and then when you're done, um, and you can't write anymore, and you're exhausted, or you feel that, and you have nothing left to say, and you've cried all you can cry, <laughs> then I take that and I rip it out and I light it on fire. And I watch it fire transmute. So it takes all of the negative, angry energy or the sadness or whatever I wrote about. And I transmute it to smoke and ash and it floats away. Right. It goes back to your Sagittarius uh, fiery roots there. <laughs> right. Very cool. So, Very cool. Yeah. Um. Um, did, uh, what, did you have something else you wanted to say? Well, no, I was just gonna, I mean, we can do this later or now, but 
I was going to give an example. Good. Great. Of, of what happened. Um, this wasn't rage writing, obviously I burn it, but this is another <clears throat> this is another tool I use that Heather um, told me about. I write letters to my inner child. Mm. I do. Um, and at first it's really weird. You're gonna be like, okay, what am I doing? I'm sitting here with a notebook and I'm talking and then I'm listening and writing what I think she's saying. And you feel kind of dumb when you're doing it, but the more you do it, the more you realize, wait a second, there's something to this. I'm speaking, but I am just, I'm writing what I'm feeling and I'm not thinking about what I'm writing. I'm just writing the words that come in my mind at the time or come in my heart that I feel. Mm. And it's very, very powerful because those are the feelings. Baby Dina's feelings are the feelings that are trapped. Yeah. They are the feelings that she never expressed because she couldn't and wasn't safe. And those are the feelings that are running the program that is running her life. Mm -hmm. Right? So if it's okay with you, I can read like a little excerpt from my journal. I did this yesterday and it was pretty profound. Great. Please do. Good medicine. It was good medicine. So I start with Dear Little Dina. I love you. You are the cutest, most loving, and trusting child. I know you're angry. Can you tell me why? What happened? And then I sit. I just sit. And then when I feel prompted or when I feel it starting to move, I start writing. And I will not read it all, but I'll read some of what little Dina said to me yesterday. I wasn't safe. Lots of men in the house. Parties. Mommy made fun of me or snapped at me. Go play. Daddy's anger and drinking was scary. He spanked hard. No one would let me be independent. No one listened to me. And I underlined that. All caps. No one listened to me. No connection. And then quotes, these are the things I heard as a child. Oh, well, this too shall pass. You're too sensitive. I don't want to hear it. I felt hated, a burden. My feelings were always too much. I had to hide them to make mommy happy and not mad. Mommy was very impatient. I got yanked by my arm a lot. It was scary. They were big. I'm so angry because mommy was always angry. She was trapped and therefore so was I. And so then I go on and talk about, you know, the bullies and peers at school and how they lied to me, they made fun of me. And every time I cried and then they'd make fun of me for crying. Um, mommy yelled at me when I cried. She didn't like it and I was trying to stop. I wasn't safe to cry. It was wrong or bad to cry. So I cried on the inside. And that's when I started sobbing. As mm. I'm writing this, I started sobbing. I even wrote it in this journal in front of these sobbing. Because that's the medicine. And then this came to me. This just came out. And I wasn't thinking about this at all. And after I wrote it, I was just like, hell. That's why my tonsils and throat were always infected. Infected mm. with emotions and pride that were rotting in my throat. 
I couldn't express it. I had to keep it all inside to be loved. I had strep throat every month for years when I was a little kid. I finally mm. had my tonsils out of it um, when I was in second grade. But I would harbor the bacteria in my tonsils and I would give the strep back to myself. Wow. And I was constantly sick. Mm. But think about that. Think about that. I never would have made that connection. That was baby Dina inside me, mm. trying to speak her truth. And in order to, to get to that point, you have to constantly reassure yourself you're safe. You're safe, and I love you, and I'm sorry. I am going to protect you. I'm sorry I couldn't be there when, when you were little, but I'm here now. And once you, you start showing up for yourself in that way, then you start hearing those bits and pieces of when you were younger, the things that really are driving the whole scenario, the whole chronic pain loop, you know? Yeah. So that's, um, and, and then I, I just said, I needed to be cherished, seen for the beautiful child that I was, like grandmom treated me, I loved her so much. I needed to be cuddled and reassured and celebrated. I wasn't, and that's why I'm not. Hmm. Yeah. She's mad. And do you know what? That little girl has every right to be mad. Yeah. Um, what needs to happen is she needs to be heard. Especially with me, because I was never validated as a child. It was all in my imagination, or no, that's not there, or no, that that's not what happened, or you know, stop crying, you're too much, you're too emotional, you're too sensitive. You try too hard. That's why you don't have any friends. Oh my gosh. Talk about, my mother said that to me once. You try too hard. Mm. That's, words have power. Yeah. Right? Because remember how I said everything is energy? Words, when you speak them, even when you write them, but especially when you speak them, they have a vibration. They have a frequency. That's energy. So you can speak life over someone or you can speak death right that's mm. a, a scripture in the bible the power of life and death is in the tongue mm. um and case in point i was actually um mormon for 20 years i wasn't raised in the mormon church but i converted it yeah that's a whole other podcast but <clears throat> i remember they would give priesthood blessings when people were sick or needed comfort or whatever. And I was struggling. So I went to a leader for this priesthood blessing. And he actually said, he laid his hands on my head. Uh, and he actually said the words, the reason you struggle with fibromyalgia is to keep you humble. Right? Uh, for the listeners at home, if you could see Michael's face, right? That's, he said that. Mm. So he spoke that over me. And now I realize, looking back, he basically cursed me. Mm. He spoke negative things. He spoke pain over me and told me that I deserved it. Can you imagine the seed that's planted in your head when somebody tells you that? Even if you're just like, okay, well, he's full of crap, he's a jerk. 
but it still plants that seed, doesn't it? Right, right. So you've got to be really careful with what? the words you speak, the words that you tell yourself in your mind. Uh, yeah, what what we believe, what we choose to believe, yeah. how we choose to interpret yeah. interpret things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy to me that that this isn't more mainstream and that we've gotten so far away from this intuitive healing. Right. Because, you know, like it's been said before, we're doing the medical model now where they just treat symptoms. Mm. Um, I, but it's in there. It's in yeah, there. right. All right. So what, what, what I'm getting from you, and this is so important, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think it's, it's really important because when introduced to some of these tools, some of them we may be open to and some we may not be, and that's fine, but there's a lot of them out there and there are certain ones that will open us up a little bit more to this world of self-healing, self-knowledge and self-intuition. And, um, and you were ready for this, this journaling with your inner child. And I mean, there's other exercises that people can learn. They're out there that will get us in touch with our inner child, but that's where these, these um, patterns are stored. Yep. That's where the medicine is, right? And that's, yeah, go that's back. You go back there. Yourself. Right. Get in and, touch with it. And that's yeah. what you've done. That's what you're doing. It's, it's a constant. It's not, it's never over. Right. It's yeah. never over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, right, right. I, you know, I, I messaged Heather this morning and I was just like, send lots of, you know, good feeling vibes out and doing the podcast today. And, you know, I told her about this experience I had yesterday and that feelings buried alive has, um, you know, I picked it up again and it, it's encouraged me to start round 100 of healing. <laughs> it's true. Like, right. You're never going to be done. Yeah. It, it's just going to get easier over time. Right. Because you're, you get, it gets easier and you get quicker at recognizing those patterns. Mm -hmm. And, and you start to learn what energy is yours and what energy is other people's. And you start to learn what the story is that your brain is telling you to keep you safe versus what reality is and what is right in front of you in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that and I've got a, a couple of different things that Heather, you know, there's there's other things that I've done too. The, the rage writing, the letter to the inner child, um, walking, stretching, and dancing. Remember how I said fire signs need movement? Yeah. Yeah, go for a walk. Just right. do some dancing. Put on music. Music right. is another thing. Music is a time machine. I music can take you back to any moment in time, and you'll feel like you're there. Mm -hmm. Music is so therapeutic. And there was one day that I was just like, Heather, I don't know what I'm feeling. I just feel icky, and I'm crying, and I don't know what to do, and this really hurts. And she said, <laughs> <laughs> she messaged me back and said. I'm getting, I'm getting that you probably need to listen to some music today. Think about, you know, a, a song or whatever. Let one pop into your mind. And so I did. And it was weird because it was a song from like old OG Mariah Carey in the 90s that I have <laughs> in 
I was just like, well, that's a weird song pop in my head and I listened to it and you know what happens, Michael? Sobbing. Wow. Sobbing, sobbing. And that's <laughs> how you know you hit the sweet spot. Remember how I just read in my journal and I wrote in front of Steve sobbing? Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. That's the flashlight. But it's shining on that's the feeling that is running this right now. Mm. And it's so good when you get that. And the more that you do it, the quicker it comes you know right so music i use woo-woo stuff because you know spiritual i'm yeah, spirituality and religion and theology it's my thing you have to follow the trail of breadcrumbs there is not going to be a giant illumination at the end where you yeah. see everything as the big maybe when we leave the planet but <laughs> yeah. not while we're here yeah. you know we don't have that the ability to perceive it that way in the now. So, yeah. What, I, go, go ahead, Michael. Sorry, I talk oh, a lot. Not so good. No, 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 no. Hey, this episode we're we're interviewing you. Um, okay. You're the one. But I was just gonna go back, try to go back to Heather, and just talk and ask you: Was she the one that encouraged you? Was she did she act as say a guide? She introduced you to a bunch of things, but really got you back to learn how to get in touch with who you really are and to Absolutely. start that dialogue. Yep. Is there anything yep. else that, you, that you'd say that's it, eh? What, um, is there anything else you could talk about, about what you learned with, with Heather? Anything else you'd like to say? Oh, yeah. I learned oh. so much from her. She's amazing. <laughs> um, I learned that I have a right to exist. I learned that I have a right to take up space. I learned that I am divine. It is in me. And um, I should not be afraid to share that with other people. I learned that everyone who bullied me was just projecting their own stuff onto me because I am such a light and I am the, that's another thing about Sagittarians, we are eternal optimists. We will see the silver lining in anything. And I think people see that light and they don't know what to do with it, so they attack it. Maybe, I don't know. But I, I learned that there's I don't need to hide that light anymore. I can just shine and be, and I'm not going to be for everyone. And that's okay. There's no rule that says in earth school that everyone has to like you or you're not doing it right. It's actually the opposite of that. If everyone likes you, then you are some suppressing some deep stuff from childhood because you're people-pleasing and that is a manipulation to control other people's, you know, behavior so that you don't feel threatened. Wow, that is some, that's some deep, uh, deep right? strong knowledge and, and hit me, hit me yeah. there for sure. That's she helps, she helps me to see that Here's another thing. How are you holding your body? How are you showing up in your body? I've noticed that a lot when I am tense or in pain, I'm doing this. I'm making myself small. My back is curved. My shoulders are hunched and pulled in. I'm holding my breath. Mm. 
So doing all of those things, that is your body speaking to you. It's telling you things like, I don't feel safe right now. I'm scared. What's happening around me? Um, life is really hard. I'm overwhelmed. I'm so stressed. I don't know how to do this anymore. I just want to quit. I want to make myself small so no one can hurt me. It's, you have to learn your body's language. And it's going to be different for everyone. But there are some things that are similar across the board. And that's one thing that Heather taught. How are you holding yourself? Are you sitting up straight? Are you hunched? Mm. Are you breathing? Deep, even breaths? Or are you shallow breathing? Is your heart racing? Or are you calm? What are you thinking about right now? Yeah. That's, that's the big thing. Like when you start feeling these bodily sensations, you have to stop and be like, brain, what are you thinking right now? <laughs> what did you just think about in the last five minutes? Yeah. I, yeah. That's where you make the connection, the mind-body connection. Right, right. It's incredible. Yeah, and, and, and having a, a guide that can take us through that and wake us yeah. up to, oh, this actually works, this helps people, just cuts through so much, you know, really put us on track yeah. quickly. Go, okay, well, this works. And yeah, it does. I do feel better. Yeah, this work is so important. And I'm really grateful that she had the courage and the strength to research this, to go after mm. it, to learn about it. And now she's imparting her wisdom and teaching other people how to be self-healers. And that, I believe, with everything in my heart, is what is going to change um, Mm -hmm. We need to heal ourselves so that we can connect and, you know, be with other people and help them as well. We need I, to be able to connect when we're disconnected. You know, a lot of times we dissociate, right? Because mm -hmm. we're not feeling safe in our bodies because of things that happened in the past. So we dissociate um, by numbing out with food, alcohol, drugs, whatever. We scroll doom scrolling right mm. binge netflix anything that we can do to distract ourselves from how we're feeling mm -hmm. and so that plays out on a larger scale because the macrocosm is a reflection of the microcosm right so the world is a reflection of us and once we start connecting with ourselves that's when we can start connecting with other people and humanity. And, you know, we'll be a, a society of healed people. Wouldn't that be amazing? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's a beautiful vision that I, I share for sure with you. Yeah. So compared to where you were and where you are now, what, what, what would you say about that? <laughs> well, I would say that after four months of sessions with Heather. Was this weekly? Sorry. Was this weekly, bi-weekly, once a month? It was, I think it was weekly for the okay. first month and then, you know, bi-weekly for, I, I saw her for a total of, I think, four months. Yeah. Okay. But it wasn't every week. The whole right. Um, yeah. I think it was the first couple of sessions were weeks of, you know each week and then they got farther and farther apart as I felt you know stronger and more confident in how to do this 
And so at the end of those four months, I weaned completely off of Lyrica. I take no pain medicine. Bless. <laughs> Victory. Nothing, no pain Dina, medicine. this is like massive. Like what a journey you went on. And remember I told you wow. Lyrica is a bad drug. Lyrica has just as many horrible withdrawal symptoms as opioids. Oh, wow. It's bad. I had to titrate down um, and there were a lot of side effects. And, but I, I just, I reminded myself, this is why you're doing this because mm -hmm. you're healed and you know that you don't need this. You're protecting your brain. Mm -hmm. You know, you're protecting your brain from this chemical that's going to eat at it. You don't need it. You know, you've got everything you need in here. And yeah, so. I mean, every once in a while, I will take some Aleve if I'm like super sore. Um, but I have some other conditions too. I do, I still have back pain um, because I have wicked scoliosis. It's an S curve. And I remember reading in Dr. Sarno's book that scoliosis isn't painful. And I couldn't reconcile that at first. I was like, what do you mean it's not painful? Look at my back. It's not. Like it's not physically, anatomically sound. It's like a worm. <laughs> it's not normal. And so, you know, I kept getting my adjustments and thinking, well, this is this isn't this can't be CMS. It's scoliosis. It's like a structural abnormality. You know, what came to me recently. It's not. It's not the 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 structure of the bone that's causing the pain. It's the tension of the muscles and the tendons that are pulling mm. on that abnormal spinal, you know, the way the way that it's shaped and formed. And what is muscle tension? What are muscle spasms? What are um, what's tendonitis? It's all CMS, right? Mm -hmm. So. And then I thought back to, well, I was braced as a kid for scoliosis, right? Oh, and okay. I carried I carried three children with scoliosis. Yeah, my back hurt when I was pregnant, but every woman's back hurts when they're pregnant. It, it just does. Um, but when I was younger, a teenager, young adult, my back didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. But it sure started hurting after I got the fibromyalgia, right? Mm. So... That's something that I'm going to dive deep and work on. Yeah. Um, my pain is very low today after writing what I wrote yesterday, mm. you know, and, and that's how you can tell that it's working. It, it may not bring you instant relief, but it's moving that energy. Mm. It's, it's taking that stagnant stuff energy and it's like giving it a little kick so that it starts moving and then it can slowly move itself out. Right. Almost always the next morning after a good night's sleep. Go on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, you got off all Western medicine and now you're you're your own doctor. You're listening. You've learned this incredible skill of intuition and learning about yourself and learned this instrument of growth. And through that, you're self-medicating, yeah. treating yourself. I do. 
I do. Um, it's phenomenal. And, and that's not, that's the important thing also that we need to hit home is that the pain may or may not go away permanently. If it doesn't go away permanently and it comes back, it doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It just means that there's another layer. Something and else so to explore. Can, yeah. And if you can approach it with the attitude that, okay, this is going to be a wonderful journey where I can journey back to myself. It took me 30 years to get to the place where I gave myself fibromyalgia. So it's not going to all disappear, you know, overnight. I'm going to still have to process these emotions. And the subconscious is really, really good at suppressing memories and emotions to keep you safe. And so the more work you do, and the more you you're, you keep promises to your body. I don't know if that makes sense, but a lot of times we don't take good care of our bodies and, and we make ourselves promises and then we never follow through. And so that's sending a message to your body that you can't be trusted. Right, yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's really important that you're messaging that you're singular, that you're of single mind, that your right. mind is saying the same thing as your body and that that message is coherent. Mm. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, that dissonance between heart and, and mind, the left and right side of the brain, it can yeah. be or has been uh, hard. It's been hard on us, you know? Right. So, yeah right getting in an alignment is stressful yeah it's all about integration and alignment and mm. as long as you're double-minded you're never going to move forward because you're yeah you're fighting it's a war within yourself really it's a war that you don't even see because you are not in tune with your intuition or your subconscious because you've been taught your whole life to get external validation mm. you know you have to build that relationship with your body. Right. So that you stay in your body mm. and that you're not dissociated. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've opened the doors to your subconscious, communicating with, with your subconscious or your inner child, same thing. And yeah. your inner knowing, your inner wisdom. And that dialogue, it grows. You know, it's like, our child our inner child michael brown talks about this quite a bit like if let's say he gives the analogy that let's say you have a parent that's been ignoring this child for a really long time that child's really going to learn that that parent's not interested in in the kid you know and if that parent is all of a sudden like hey you know let's go to a baseball game that kid's going to be a little bit like mm, okay but you know i'm kind of just going to keep my distance from you and it, you know, it takes that, that parent to go, no, we're, we're going next week, you know, and, and you know what, on all week, once a day, we're going to get sit down and you're going to tell me what's going on in your life. Cause I, I love you and I want to yeah. hear, you know, <laughs> and so it takes a little while for that heart to open up and they go, okay, okay. I can trust myself now. I've proven, yeah. I've proven. Yeah. That. You make small promises to yourself and you keep them yeah and that is how you build trust and that right. is how you become more embodied because it doesn't feel scary to be in your body anymore 
And then you mm. stop being scared of all of the scary things out in the world. Especially <laughs> confrontation and people. Confrontation is scary. People are scary. Yeah. And when you have a wounded inner child like that, especially one that was never listened to and never heard and always hurt, you just want to like withdraw and become a hermit. Yeah. That's absolutely. not healthy because human yeah. beings need connection. We need connection to thrive. And so Yeah, that, that inner child make, wants wants to yeah. feel safe and, and ex- safe to express itself. Maybe another time we can get together because I definitely want to talk about relationships more on this podcast because a lot of this comes down to us in relation to others. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, I'd be curious to hear what you'd have to say about what you've learned. Well, maybe you could get into it maybe quickly. If you, if you, got, if you got time, what, I, just a couple I've got comments. Michael, maybe just I've a, got plenty of time. You okay. don't have time. You I, need to like shut me down if I'm going <laughs> off on a tangent, but yeah. Well, well, I mean, we can't, we can't talk too much longer because I'm not, you know, like, we want to keep people with us, but um, <laughs> just a quick note on relation, relationship, relationship, and what you've learned through this work with Heather, mind-body connection, mind-body work, what you've learned about you in relationship with, say, your, your spouse or at work or whatever it is, what have you learned about yourself? In relationship with other people, I have learned that number one, it's not always about me, quit making it personal. Everyone has crap that they're carrying around, right? Some of it's really heavy and some of it is very hidden. So you never know what someone else is going through. So if they're in a mood or they do something that frightens you or hurts you or is out of character for them, it's probably not about you. So don't start creating a story about, oh, I must have done something. They must be mad at me. I don't even create that story. Just be like, well, I wonder if they're okay today. I wonder if they're struggling with something. Don't make it about you. Second thing I learned about relationships with other people is that they are a mirror of the things that you don't like about yourself. So um, currently I'm working on road rage. <laughs> anybody else that lives in utah can probably tell you drivers stuff here i'm not sure what it is it's like a pervasive energy where everybody's angry and everyone has to be first <laughs> so, and i i get caught up in that when i'm driving and i notice i'm tense and and i'm like constantly scanning waiting for someone to try to take me out right mm. put down your weapons Girl, put down your weapons. Not everyone is out to get you. And the reason (laughs) you get so upset when you're driving and people cut you off is because you've done that. Let's call you out. You've got to learn how to call yourself out. Mm. You've got to learn how to call yourself out if you're going to be doing healing work on yourself. There's no sugarcoating. No more. Um, So yeah, the mirror thing. and the third thing I learned is goes kind of ties into both of those is that when someone is ranting at me or, you know, being very abusive verbally to me, I've learned that 
it's usually not about me either. And that they have inner turmoil and they have childhood wounds that they don't know about, that they haven't worked on or, you know, they don't even know it exists. They just know that they hate life and they're unhappy and they don't feel well. And they just need to rant about it. And I just happened to be on the receiving end that day. Maybe mm. it was something I said that triggered them. I can't be responsible for what other people interpret. The only thing I can be responsible for is delivering what I say with truth and integrity and kindness. And if I don't always get that back, we'll go to lesson number one. It's not always about you. Mm. Everybody's got something. We just need to have more grace for ourselves while we are in the mess that is, you know, repressed emotion. We also have to, you know, send that compassion and that empathy out to others around us because we're all connected and we're all feeling and going through the same thing. Amazing. The other is just a human construct. We are all connected. We are all the same. We're not separate. Mm -hmm. yeah. just, I really believe like we are divine expression. We are, we are individual expressions of the divine. So why wouldn't you want to be yourself? It's, it's an yeah. expression of God. Why, why would you want to hide that? Why would you feel bad about being yourself? Yeah. Because of the yeah. stories we were told. Yeah. Is it, is it important to be, uh, to live your purpose in order to feel or, better? Or how, yeah. And how do I, how do I do that? How do I quote, live my truth? That's such a buzz phrase. Right? I know it's such a, but be authentic. Like what, what is that? Yeah. Uh, I get, I understand that, but how do you do that? Yep. And is how, that important to feeling better? It, it absolutely is because you're, you're stepping into who you were when you were born, who you are, your true essence. You're not all of when you're not speaking what you feel and expressing, you know, those feelings or your truth or however you want to um, say that. When you're not doing that, you're stuffing them, and that leads to pain and disease. So it is important to find out who you are and then you take baby steps. Um, here's an example. I do some witchy stuff now that I never used to do before <laughs> because I was Christian. I don't, I have learned and I've grown out of that um, mental space and I've made it bigger. Um, so, you know, I'll do some candle magic or, you know, just little woo-woo stuff. If my parents could see what I'm doing, they would be like, who are you? This is not how we raised you. It doesn't matter. This is what brings me joy. You need mm. to follow the bliss. Yeah. Just follow the bliss. That's who you truly are. That's when you're in alignment. When you're doing something that brings you so much happiness and joy that you lose track of time. Right. I, right. I, I've done meditations and, you know, intention setting and, and stuff at my altar. And five hours later, I'm just like, oh, it's dark. Maybe I should go to bed. <laughs> right. it, you, so when you're doing things that, that make you feel that way, 
Yeah. That's how you know that's an intrinsic part of you. That's not the programming. That's not the labels that other people put on you. That is you stepping into your joy. And so if you can follow those moments or take notice of those moments when you are feeling that joy, um, not to say it's all going to be rainbows and glitter and butterflies, but you know, when you're doing something and you lose track of time, it's safe to say that that is something that, you know, is within you. You love it. And it's not something that someone else projected upon you. This is. And so then once you start doing that, you know, and, and you start doing the little things, you have to get rid of the fear. That's mm. how you become authentic. The fear is what blocks you. The fear of what other people think, what other people say, what society um, programs us to think. When we when we deviate from that, we risk loss of connection. And as human beings, we have to be connected to survive. And so that's where that comes in. If you have the courage to talk to your brain or your amygdala, you know, or your adrenals or whatever, and be like, just please calm down. <laughs> there, there's not a saber-toothed tiger here to kill us. <laughs> it's really gonna be okay. And and then you just build on that. But, <laughs> but purging that fear and learning that, okay, well, if I'm feeling fear about something, that's a message that I'm supposed to do it. Mm. And once you push through that and you do the thing, you realize that your brain was just trying to keep you safe by lying to you. And it really wasn't that bad. And it didn't even play out that way. Like we come up with so many stories in our head, right? Yeah. And that's what causes anxiety because we've got to have like something in place to for every scenario so that right. we can protect ourselves. Right. But once you push through that fear, that that's just another hoop that you don't have to jump through in order to, to get where you want to go. Beautiful. Beautiful. So important. I think what, what you've just said and so well said. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing everything that you have and opened up your process. That's something that uh, I haven't had the opportunity with many people to this extent to really just be so vulnerable. You said in before we started recording is that what did you say about vulnerability? Something so brilliant. You said, my vulnerability is my way to truth or my vulnerability is, I forget. Our vulnerability is the key that unlocks healing for other people. Okay. I mean, I'm sure that's not what I said. But, it's but that too. That too. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, By you to... being vulnerable, you're, you're, um, you're allowing people in, you know. I'm and, allowing people to see what it could look like hmm. because words and instruction, not everybody learns that way. Yeah. Some people will get it by reading a book, but other people will be like, especially people like me that had perfectionist tendencies. Well, I have to do it right. I can't make any mistakes. How do I know I'm doing it right? Mm -hmm. That's not a thing. Yeah. That's not a thing. And so I feel like by allowing myself to be vulnerable and sharing these wounds with other people, I will be able to connect with them. I will spark something in them that they will feel and they will be able to see what that looks like for another human being to take these lessons 
and incorporate them into action. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for your vulnerability. And um, I wanted to ask you one, one last question. If you could go back to um, Dina at 28 or four years later when she had the uh, second diagnosis of, of uh, lympho lymphatic cancer, lymphoma, if you, could, if you could sit there with yourself and have a conversation with yourself, what would you tell young Dina? I would tell her, sweetheart, you are amazing. You're an amazing soul. You've got so much to give to this world and you have a knowing inside of you. And you are giving that power away to other people. It's going to hurt you. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to feel safe in standing up for your beliefs, your thoughts. Stop living your life for other people. Stop people pleasing. Stop being perfectionist. Stop being afraid to make mistakes. Stop living in a religion that doesn't resonate with you at all, but it's what's expected of you. So you keep doing it. Like have the courage to know when something isn't right for you and walk away and mm. start again. Wow. Beautiful. Have courage. You are strong and bright. I tell them that's a mantra I tell myself all the time. And I'm finally starting to feel it. And I'm finally starting to live it. You are strong and brave. That's a beautiful. You, you, can, you are strong and brave and you can do hard things. Mm, that's beautiful. Beautiful. I could have definitely apply that to my own life. Without, without doubt. I, I just love this so much, Dina. I've had so much fun with you and um, everything you've said, I, I can apply it to what I have, I'm learning and have learned. And it's so, so incredibly relatable. You the know? more we talk to each other and the more we share stories, the more you realize that it's all the same. Yeah, it is. It's all the same. Yeah. And we are all the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we may have different, you know, different uh, cultures, different backgrounds, whatever, but as human beings, we all function the same way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's be healthy about our functioning, our levels of functioning. Yeah. Let's clear out the old stagnant stuff and and start fresh. Mm. Amen. That's a great, uh, great, great note to end on. Is there anything else you wanted to say, Dina? Just thank you. Okay. I hope I didn't ramble too much. I, like I said, I can talk and talk, especially about something that I'm so excited about because incidentally, I should tell you, I was actually on social security disability okay. for the fibromyalgia and the scoliosis. Mm. I'm not on social security disability anymore. I don't need to be. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with me. Right. I'm not disabled. I, I have some dysfunction. Yeah. And I'm I'm working on clearing that out. Yeah. But no, I'm I'm not disabled. I have CMS. Tina, to see this is massive what you've discovered. Because that belief, that belief that was holding you down, yes. you know, was because I think we 
we forget we forget that there's millions of people in in those shoes right now and we forget we we remember what it was like to be there but we forget how stuck we felt and how how cloudy it was and how hard it was to see what options we had and that there was even another option or another the possibility the desperation massive desperation that's the thing that that got me was just the desperation and funny enough i i remember saying do you know what tell me i have you know cancer or right. lupus or something tell me i have something so i know what i'm doing well guess what dina got cancer so, yeah i i mean you have to be really mindful of the stories that you're telling yourself and the belief that the weight of the belief that you put on you. right that uh, that was not articulated very well i'm sorry no, that's okay. I'm trying to say. Carol, Carol Truman puts it beautifully when she talks about how a thought interacts with a feeling. And when a thought hits a feeling, an emotion is created. And through emotion, creation happens. Once you get that, that's when everything clicks into place, I think. When, yeah. when you start, you're able to be the watcher of the thoughts, like clouds going. Mm across the sky and then you start seeing the patterns because human beings are wired to recognize patterns right yeah so be the detective get curious be the little kid get your little magnifying glass out <laughs> and go find yourself wow go find yourself. go find yourself yeah absolutely beautiful so inspiring i mean seeing you right now you're glowing you're so happy you're twink you have twinkles firing out of your eyes you know what I mean or I mean you know you're doing so great and so to think about where you came from when I read your um uh your bio your biography that you sent me I was just like wow what you've been through you know and so many other people are going through and so you're you're a real inspiration to me and I'm sure to so many other people thank you so much yeah massive inspiration yeah that's that's my purpose i am light yes i am light i learned about myself i am i am the light i am supposed to be the light to bring the light (laughs) right um that's just what i just who i am at my core Mm -hmm. and i love that i love that about myself and so do you see how this all came full circle because as a child, I was too sensitive and my emotions were too much and I was too much drama. That's where my superpower lies because I am emotional, because I have severe, deep empathy for situations where people are hurting. That's what my childhood, um, my aces, that's, this is the fruit of that. Right. Right, right, right. It's all coming to fruition, and now I am putting out that light and that hope and that optimism and that example. Mm-hmm. Just be an example. That's my goal. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. You're so welcome. And if anyone would like to get a hold of you, to go ahead and do it. And of course, if you know, don't hold back. Questions about healing. Questions about modalities. Questions about 
anything. Awesome. 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 Thank you, Dina. And thank you. And thank everybody for listening. I'm going to shut this off, but you can stick around. Um, I wish everybody a beautiful, beautiful day. Bye-bye. The text and audio files contained in this program are for information use only. It is not meant to treat, cure, diagnose any medical health condition you may or may not have. For medical advice and treatment, please speak to a medical health professional.